one action. Can you believe that the last time that our church family was together for an indoor live worship service at the Ralph Baker School was four and a half months ago? That's hard to believe. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm really thankful that we've been able to offer outdoor worship services over the past six weeks. But when you think about it, with face masks and social distancing and many of our regular church attenders unable to join us for one reason or another, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. I miss seeing so many of you who join us online but haven't been able to join us in person in recent weeks. I miss seeing so many of our kids pouring into that school and joining us for our kids' uh, program every Sunday morning. I, I really miss being together with our whole church family on a Sunday morning. And there's no guarantee that this so-called new normal that we're dealing with is going to end anytime soon. Which begs the question, will the church survive COVID? Will the church survive COVID? Several studies in April and May indicated that only about half of U.S. adults who attended church before COVID-19 would be likely to return to church in the next month or so. I was kind of surprising as these studies were done. One poll in Utah discovered that of those who live in the state of Utah, around 62% said that they would feel comfortable returning to a restaurant in their town if the authorities said it was okay. Around, 40, around uh, 67% Uh, said they would feel comfortable returning to a shopping mall. But only 52% said they'd be comfortable returning to a church service, even if the authorities said it was safe to do so. That was kind of surprising to me. But that's really in line with what we've seen at Impact over the past six weeks. We relaunched our live outdoor worship services the first Sunday in May, and uh, I've discovered that our attendance has dropped quite a bit. In fact, if you look at the last two weeks, we were at the Ralph Baker Center. That was March 1st and March 8th. Our average attendance those weeks was 150. And you compare that to our average attendance during the month of June for our outdoor services, the average attendance in June was 90. So that's a drop from 150 to 90, a drop of about 60 kids and adults who haven't been attending once we've relaunched our live services. That's a 40% drop in attendance. Now, thankfully, many of those 60 who are not meeting with us in person are joining us here online for services each week. But to be honest with you, many of those 60 aren't. Uh, many of those aren't joining us either in person or online. And to be honest with you, as a pastor, that concerns me. It really concerns me. In my reading last week, I came across some helpful insights from a man by the name of Ed Stetzer. Uh, He's an evangelical uh, expert, you might say. Uh, He's a director of one of the key evangelism uh, departments at Wheaton College. And he writes, churches will have to act fast to stop potential departures. I I think it was much easier to close your church than it's going to be to reopen it. Religious leaders' biggest challenge, at least in the short run, will be deciding when to speak up. Amid an ongoing pandemic, pastors risk seeming insensitive if they comment on low attendance too soon. There's a high number of people planning to avoid all crowds for the foreseeable future. Well, as 
Mr. Stetzer correct? Are there a high number of Christians planning to avoid all crowds for the foreseeable future? And all indications are that the answer is yes. Yes. The media has really done an excellent job of convincing Americans that we should be scared to leave our homes. The media has done an excellent job convincing us that we should stay away from public places, especially public places that have crowds in them. Uh, Millions of kids and adults, most of whom do not have weak immune systems or uh, any uh, susceptibility uh, to COVID that's particularly sensitive, uh, many of them are afraid of, of catching COVID if they go to Walmart or if they go get a haircut at a hair salon uh, or uh, go to school. Uh, many of us are worried about being asymptomatic and unknowingly spreading COVID-19 if we invite a neighbor over to our house or, God forbid, we sing a song in church. Many of us are scared of either getting it or passing it on to others. Strong, healthy kids are afraid to return to school this fall. Strong, healthy adults are afraid to return to their workplaces or return to church. And I personally think that's a tragedy. I think it's a tragedy. So over the next few minutes, we'll be opening God's word together. And we're going to allow God to speak into our concerns, to speak to our worries, and to speak to our fears. And I think you're going to like what God's word has to say to us today. I need to hear these verses that we'll look at today. And I bet that you do too. So make sure that you have your Bibles handy. The first passage we'll look at in just a few moments is in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 starting in verse 13. Uh, This is one of the most important conversations that takes place between Jesus and his 12 disciples. And I don't want you to miss this very important conversation. We're in Matthew 16 starting in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What a great passage. The church of Jesus Christ, of which Impact Christian Church is a part, is built on this foundational truth that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God. Our church and every church that bears Christ's name stands on that foundational truth that Jesus Christ alone is the Savior of the world and Jesus himself is really God. Jesus is God in the flesh. But I want to draw your attention to the final half of uh, verse 18 where Jesus says this. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The old King James says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, what are the gates of Hades? What are the gates of Hades? Well, that's a good question. Hades is really two things. It's the temporary holding tank for the dead 
uh, those that have already died and are awaiting judgment. It's the temporary holding tank of the dead. But also it's a precursor to hell. And so at times in the New Testament, we read of Hades as a place that has uh, weeping and has flames and it's a place of torture. But that's just a foretaste of what hell is going to be like in eternity. It's not hell yet, but it's the closest thing to it at this point in time. And so Jesus here is basically saying, I will build my church and death is not going to prevail against it. Death is not going to overcome it. And even hell itself will not overcome it. It will not be able to take down the church of the living God. And so with that in mind, let's answer the question that was posed in the the title of today's message. Will the church survive COVID? It's an important question. And the Bible's answer to that question is yes, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. The church of Jesus Christ will survive COVID. COVID. Over the past 2,000 years, think about it, Christ's followers have endured all sorts of crud, all sorts of persecution, all sorts of hardship. Over the past 2,000 years, Christ's followers have suffered through earthquakes and fires and tornadoes and blizzards and hurricanes. Over the past 2,000 years, the people of God have been persecuted by some of history's uh, most wicked dictators, uh, ones like Emperor Nero of Rome, uh, ones like Adolf Hitler and Mussolini and Joseph Stalin in the USSR, and uh, one of the greatest uh, 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 perpetrators of, of genocide in the history of the world, Mao Zedong of China, Christians have endured and even thrived under persecution for 2,000 years. And over the past 2,000 years, the Church of Jesus Christ has endured countless wars and famines and much worse pandemics than COVID-19. COVID-19 is chump change compared to some of the pandemics that Christians have endured in past centuries. And the church has always, always, always always overcome. The church has always survived and it has always thrived. And that shouldn't surprise us because Jesus made a promise, didn't he? He made a promise right here in the book of Matthew. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and nothing in the world is going to prevail against it. When Jesus makes a promise, you better believe that he's going to keep that promise. Nothing is going to keep Jesus from building his church. Amen. Amen. So you can put that fear to rest. Oh no, is COVID-19 going to wipe out the church in America? No, it will not. Some churches, to be honest with you, will likely close their doors because they were hit by COVID and they were already on their way out. Many churches across America have been struggling for quite some time. And it may be that COVID-19 is the straw that breaks the camel's back for certain congregations that were already struggling. It's also true that many churches will tend to drop uh, their attendance dramatically. Uh, Many churches across America, ours included, have noticed a, a big dip in their attendance since COVID began. And so some churches will close their doors. Uh, Many other churches will see a drop in their attendance. But make no mistake about it, Jesus Christ will keep building his church around the world. He'll keep building his church in America. And he'll keep building his church right here in the Victor Valley. And if you and I, as a part of Impact Christian Church, are continuing to partner with Jesus, and we're making sure that we're a part of his team and a part of his building crew, You better believe 
that Impact Christian Church will carry on and survive and thrive as well. So, the question was, will Christ Church survive COVID? And the answer is, yes, it will. Without a doubt, absolutely, it'll survive COVID. But now I believe each of us needs to answer a, a more difficult question, a, a more personal question. Here's that question. Will your faith survive COVID? Will your faith survive COVID? That first question we answered is rather easy to answer. Will the church at large survive COVID? Absolutely, because Jesus is driving this ship. He's steering this ship. It's going to survive, no doubt about it. But will your faith survive COVID? Let's spend some time and tackle that question together. I want you to open to another passage. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be starting in verse 23. Hebrews is near the end of your New Testament. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Uh, we actually looked at this passage just a few weeks ago together, uh, but it's uh, timely once again for us, so we're going to look at it uh, here again this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to be starting in verse 23. Here's what we read. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? Amen. Well, it's been a little over a month since thousands of churches across California and really across America uh, relaunched live in-person services. After two and a half months without any Christian fellowship, after two and a half months of uh, being kind of confined to our homes to a very large extent, you would think that after two and a half months of being away from their church families, Christians would have just poured back into churches across America to worship the Lord together at the start of June. But is that what we discovered happened? Not at all. Churches across America were surprised to discover that many, many Christians were uncomfortable returning to live, in-person worship services. Uh, Christians, most of whom uh, are physically healthy and have strong immune systems, have been very apprehensive about returning to live, in-person church services. And so many have chosen not to return to church yet. And it leaves us wondering, how long will it be before Christians return to church? Well, Ed Stetzer believes it might be a long, long time. He points out that a large number of Christians who attended church before COVID were really looking for a convenient reason to stop attending. And COVID is providing that reason. He writes, At some point, most likely once a vaccine is discovered, the virus will stop being a legitimate concern. And it will become instead a convenient excuse to skip church. In general, people on the fence about attending a service don't need much encouragement to move from maybe to no thanks. If you're already not sure about going to church and you just need one reason not to, then I don't go into crowds becomes that new reason. Some pretty good food for thought. Many of us who follow Christ have forgotten how vital the church is to our growth in Christ. Many of us have forgotten how vital the church is to our growing faith and to our spiritual health. 
Hebrews 10, as we just read together, it's such an important passage. The writer of Hebrews says we need to hold unswervingly to the faith that we profess. He says we need to make sure that we spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need to make sure that we don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But we need to continue to encourage each other all the more as the day of Jesus' return approaches. These verses are very clear. For believers and followers of Jesus Christ, church isn't optional. In fact, it's, it's not optional. It's essential. It's essential. You need the church and the church needs you. The church is an essential part of encouraging and strengthening you in your faith. And you are an essential part of encouraging and strengthening me in my faith. We need each other. Amen? We truly do. I need you and you need me. Nancy Ammerman is a professor of religious sociology at Baylor University. And she has some really important insights that she shared in an article I read this last week. She writes, the sense of obligation to be in church every week is definitely weaker today than it was even one generation ago. In other words, as recently as 20 years ago, more Christians felt bad about skipping church on a Sunday. As recently as 20 years ago, uh, it was very common for Christians to feel bad if they did something else on a Sunday. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that Christians uh, would never take a side job on a Sunday because that was the Lord's Day. It was the day of rest and the day to go to church with their families. It wasn't that long ago uh, that Christians, by and large, uh, would never go to Vegas on a Sunday because, oh no, we can't go to Sin City on the Lord's Day because it's the Lord's Day. It wasn't that long ago that, that Christians would never decide to sleep in on Sunday and say, no, today is a me day. No, it couldn't be a me day because it's the Lord's Day. It hasn't been that long since a majority of Christians believe these things. But today, Christians don't think twice about doing these things. Today, Christians don't think twice about skipping church and sleeping in or skipping church and taking a side job or skipping church and going up to the mountains or going to Vegas. It's no big deal. It's commonplace. Nancy Ammerman goes on to say, People who stop attending church rarely develop or maintain spiritual practices at home. If there's no community to give you a feeling of obligation and of belonging, it's very tempting to simply do nothing. People who don't have some kind of spiritual community are unlikely to maintain any kind of active spiritual practice. In other words, most Christians who put church on the back burner inevitably will soon put the Word of God on the back burner and soon put prayer on the back burner. And inevitably, most Christians who put church on the back burner and the Word of God and prayer on the back burner will soon put Jesus Christ Himself on the back burner. If the Bible and prayer and church are no longer a priority, then Jesus Himself for most is no longer a priority. As a pastor, that concerns me. It shouldn't surprise us that those who stop going to church stop doing these other very important spiritual things as well. That shouldn't surprise us because God's Word makes it clear there in Hebrews 
that we have to be together to encourage each other in the faith. We have to be together to hold each other accountable. God has designed for the community of Christianity to lift up each Christian in our faith. Our faith rarely grows in isolation. That's one of the main reasons why Jesus started his church in the first place. In order for your faith to endure and grow, you need the encouragement and accountability that other Christians offer to you. And in order for my faith to endure and grow, I need your encouragement. I need your accountability. So Christians who isolate themselves from the church because of COVID-19 or really for any other reason will tend to become stagnant in their faith and drift away from Christ. Our Christian faith was designed by God to grow best in an incubator. Did you catch that? Our faith was designed by Christ to grow best in an incubator. And guess what that incubator is called? You've heard the word many times before. The incubator that we grow in is simply called the church. The church of Jesus Christ is the incubator within which we grow in our faith, develop our spiritual gifts, and help others grow in their faith and develop their spiritual gifts as well. Our Christian faith was designed to be lived out together. Our mission, you know, as a church is to love, learn, and serve. Those were never designed to be carried out in isolation, just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus loving. Just me and Jesus learning. Just me and Jesus serving. They were always designed to be carried out in the context of community. We love God and others together. We learn God's word together. We serve God and people together. 2,000 years before it was popular to say, we're all in this together, Jesus was saying it. He was saying it 2,000 years ago. He was making it clear that you and I as believers and followers of him are in this thing together. It's never just about you and Jesus. It's never just about me and Jesus. It's about us and Jesus. We love together. We grow in our faith and learn his word together. We serve God and people together. All of this is together. This adventure of faith is an adventure of faith that we live together. So back to the question, will your faith survive COVID? Well, honestly, only you and the Lord can answer that question. I can't answer that for you. I can answer it for me. So as I talk to the Lord Jesus Christ and I say, Lord, will, will Dane's faith survive COVID? We can answer that for me, but only you and the Lord can answer that question for you. But I can say this with certainty. If you isolate yourself from the church long term, there's a much greater likelihood that your faith will not survive COVID. Let me say it again because I want to make sure you don't miss it. If you isolate yourself from the church long term, there's a much greater likelihood that your faith won't survive COVID. So I encourage you to answer four simple questions. These are four questions that will allow you to determine if your faith has become more stagnant or even maybe dipped in its effectiveness over the last three and a half months since the stay-at-home order began. Question number one. Are you reading God's word and praying more or less than you did before COVID? How would you honestly answer that question? Are you reading God's word and praying more or less than you did before the start of COVID? Question number two. Do you feel more or less encouraged in your faith than you did 
before COVID. I know that there's many Christians feeling pretty discouraged in their faith over the last few months. Part of the reason is they're isolated from other Christians and they're isolated from Christian fellowship. Maybe you would agree, yeah, that describes me as well. How would you answer that question? Do you feel more or less encouraged in your faith than you did before COVID? Question number three, are you feeling closer or further from God than you did before COVID? Are you closer or further from God than before COVID? And then number four, are you serving God with your spiritual gifts more or less than you did before COVID? Now, if you don't like your answers to these four questions, what I don't want you to do is to go back and answer them dishonestly. (laughs) Don't go back and answer them with some lies. I want you to be honest. And honestly, if you don't like your answers to those questions, then I've just got to tell you, it's high time that you get back to church. One way or another, you need to get back to church, not just once a month, not just twice a month. Uh, this is go time. You've got to get back to church each and every week. Some Christians can't attend an in-person live worship service. I completely get that. Uh, we've got some in our church that are living in a retirement community, and they've been on quarantine uh, for much of the last three and a half months. They are not allowed to leave uh, their retirement community uh, because uh, that is a high-risk group. And so they're watching our services online. Praise God for that. They're not able to join a, a live in-person service. Uh, we've got others uh, in our church that have been attending these online services, and, and they can't attend because they have various health issues. Some have mobility issues, and they're pretty much confined to their homes. And so they're joining us online. That's fantastic. I'm so glad that they are. There are others that have been joining in for these online services, several of which are part of my own family, who have been joining us online because they go to larger churches that haven't been able to open yet. Uh, Many of us have forgotten that the larger churches of 1,000 to 10 to 20,000 haven't been able to restart services because there's a cap on 100 people per service that the state has handed down. And so if you go to a church of 3,000 people, even if only 50% of those people want to show up for a service on a weekend, that church would have to offer 15 different services to accommodate half of their congregation on just one weekend. And so many megachurches haven't been able to meet yet. And so I'm so happy that several are joining us for these online services until their own church is able to open up once again. And so there are a lot of people who are unable to attend a live service uh, together with other Christians. But realistically, most of us can. If you're in one of those situations and you absolutely cannot attend a live service in person with other Christians, then by all means, be a part of these online services because this is the next best thing to meeting in person for worship with other Christians. We do some great work through these online services. You keep joining us. But I want to speak for just a moment to the majority of us who have the ability to go to an in-person live worship service. You see, I want to speak to you for just a moment because, to be honest with you, as a pastor who's been a pastor for 21 years, I know there's a lot of excuses for not going to church. I've probably heard of just about all of them over the years. There are a lot of reasons why Christians say they can't go to church, but realistically, in the past few months, there's been a new reason that's kind of risen to the surface uh, that I want to just spend a few moments on. Uh, Many Christians are choosing not to return to church 
not because they wanted to stay home and watch TV or because they want to just go on a walk at the park or go to Vegas or some of these things. Many Christians are choosing not to return to a live service because, honestly, they're scared. They're dealing with fear. They're afraid to go back to a live worship service. And I get that. It's true that the chances of you contracting COVID-19 or, or contracting the virus and being asymptomatic and passing it on to someone else, I understand the chances are higher of either catching it or passing it on if you go to public places and are part of larger groups. I, I get it that, that uh, from a, a very realistic standpoint, it's safer just to stay at home. You have less of a chance of catching it or transmitting it if you just close your front door and stay at home. I, I get that. But at the same time, at some point, you need to ask yourself the question, what are the risks to my physical and emotional and spiritual health if I don't go to church? And what are the risks to other Christians' physical and emotional and spiritual health if I don't go to church? What impact does that have on me if I stay at home? And what impact does it have on others if I stay at home? And that's something that Dr. Fauci will never bring up to you. Dr. Fauci is doing what he has been hired to do, to focus on COVID-19 and what we can do to spread, to, to keep the spread at a bare minimum. And so he's doing his job. But it is my job as a pastor of the Lord Jesus Christ to point you to God's word and remind you that there is much more at stake than simply a virus. There's much more at stake to your physical and emotional and spiritual health if you continue to live in isolation apart from others, particularly if you choose to live apart from other Christians on a long-term basis. You see, in financial investment circles, people talk a lot about doing a cost-benefit analysis. Sometimes it's called a risk-benefit analysis. And what that basically means is, before making a financial investment, Decision makers will analyze that investment and determine both the risks and the benefits of making that investment. They'll look at the risks, the costs, and they'll look at the benefits. And if the benefits outweigh the risks, then they will move forward and make that investment. Well, Christians, I want to suggest to you this morning that it's high time for you and me to do a risk-benefit analysis of attending an in-person church service. And to you, I would say this. Please don't allow fear to keep you away from church. You see, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but God's perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. So every time we get out of bed, and I know you agree with me on this, every time we get out of bed, we are taking a certain risk, aren't we? Every time we step onto the floor, you've been there with me in the middle of the night, you have to make a quick pit stop, and you stub your toe on the corner of the bed or you accidentally kick the dresser, or you don't turn the lights on and you miss the toilet. No, that probably didn't happen to you. It hadn't happened to me yet, but maybe one day. We have these things happen. As soon as we get out of bed, there's a certain amount of risk involved, and we have a chance of getting hurt, right? Every time we walk out our front door, there's a certain risk involved. Every time we eat at Del Taco, 
or, or sometimes taking our life into our hands. There's a certain risk involved eating fast food. We don't know those people behind the counter. We don't know if they wash their hands or not. We don't know if that A rating in the front window uh, was given to them six months ago and, and they've been at a D rating ever since. We don't know these things. And so there's risk involved every time we get out of bed. And don't forget, church, that all of your life, you've, without even realizing it, done this risk-benefit analysis. And you've chosen each and every morning to get out of bed and take those risks to walk across the room, to walk out your front door, to get into your car, to go to work, to board an airplane, to go to Walmart, to eat at that fast food restaurant. You've made these cost-benefit analysis and you've decided that the risk was worth it because of the benefits that would come. I want to submit to you this morning that COVID-19 is no different. In a sense, it's no different. The same is true during this pandemic. I cannot guarantee you that you won't contract COVID if you attend a live worship service. I can't guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that we've taken steps to follow CDC guidelines to make it safe. We're having six-foot distancing between clusters of chairs. We're being careful to make sure our volunteers are wearing masks and anyone handling bulletins or communion are also wearing gloves. We're doing temperature checks. We're making sure that gloves and and temperature checks and masks are available for any of you who attend. We're trying to be very careful and follow most CDC guidelines. But ultimately, I can't guarantee you that there's no possible chance of catching COVID and going to church. But at the same time, I can't guarantee you that you won't experience food poisoning if you eat at Burger King for lunch today. There are no guarantees in life. There's a certain amount of risk involved in every choice we make as we live our lives here on earth. But I can tell you for my wife, Christine, and me, we have looked at the costs and the benefits of returning to church over the past month, returning with our family of six to a live in-person worship service. And we've come to the conclusion that for our family, the benefits and the rewards far outweigh the risks. And so we've been at church. We were out of state last Sunday, but every other Sunday we've been at church since we've reopened. It's so important that we make decisions for our family that take everything into consideration. Not just the possibility of dealing with COVID more personally than any of us would like, but we have to consider the risks and the costs to staying isolated from the church for an extended period of time. I think the best way, and the Bible agrees with me on this, the best way to do church is always in person together with other Christians. But some of you, once again, aren't able to do that. Keep joining us online. But I want to encourage you, if you are able to join us for an in-person live worship service, to take a little risk and join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. Ultimately, I want to make sure as a pastor that your faith survives COVID-19. And I want to make sure that you and I are both prioritizing the church of the living God, whether it's in person, which is the best choice, or here online, which is the second best choice. One way or another, make sure that you and your family are prioritizing church every single week. Because if you prioritize church, There's a much higher likelihood you'll prioritize reading God's word each day. 
and there's a much higher likelihood that you'll prioritize prayer each day, and there's a much higher likelihood that you will grow in your faith and develop in your relationship with Christ and help others of us do the same. The best chance of growing in our faith and doing what God has called us to do to love, learn, and serve is if we do this together. So let's keep doing it together, church, whether it's here online or, God willing, with us in person. We'll see you next week, but in the meantime, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you so much for giving us Jesus Christ. We thank you for giving us the church of the living God. And we thank you, Lord, for the fellowship and the worship and the encouragement and the accountability that your church offers us. Lord, I know some are watching this online service and they wish that they could get back to church, but they're just not able to. Lord, I pray for those who are confined to their homes or for one reason or another just are unable to attend a live in-person service. Lord, I pray that you would bless their socks off through these services that we have online. And I pray, O Lord, that they would stretch themselves a little bit and not just have it uh, one directional, but Lord, that they would reach out to us. Uh, Lord, that they would call one of our prayer counselors and, and not just submit a prayer request, but maybe ask a prayer counselor, how can I pray with you today? I pray that it would go both ways with these online services. Lord, I, I pray that uh, you would help uh, those that are watching these services to reach out and share a, a word of encouragement to others on Facebook or on live.greaterimpact.cc. Lord, I I pray that they would reach out to our church office and say, you know, I've been watching these services. I've been blessed by them. How how can I be a blessing to you in the church? Lord, I pray that there would be much more dialogue and, and back and forth with these online services, Lord, because these can be the second best option. And Lord, I pray for those who have the ability to come back to a live outdoor service but are kind of scared to do so right now. I pray, oh God, that none of us would live in fear. Lord, we don't want to be reckless. Lord, we want to be careful. But at the same time, Lord, we don't want to stifle our spiritual growth or even our physical or emotional health by being isolated from the church for too long. So help us, Lord, to be courageous for you in the weeks to come. Lord, we continue to pray for our president. We pray for our federal, our state, and our local leaders that they would make decisions that are in the best interest of our communities and our states and our nation. Father, give them wisdom that's beyond their years. And Father, I pray for anyone that's watching this service today who is ill, Lord, that you would bring them healing. For anyone who is discouraged or depressed, that you would lift them up and bring healing to them emotionally and spiritually. And I pray for those who have not yet made a decision to follow you as Lord and Savior, that today they would right now admit that they are a sinner, that they would believe in you as Lord and Savior and choose to follow you for the rest of their lives and make that clear, Lord, by turning from their sin and being baptized as soon as possible. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would touch us, guide us, protect us, and lead us in the way everlasting together for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One last thing before our service comes to a close. 
Uh, I want to thank all of you who have uh, been faithfully giving of your tithes and offerings to Impact Christian Church over the last few months. Uh, some of you, uh, as I mentioned, are watching this service, and you have another church home, and I think that's fantastic. You're not able uh, to join your church uh, during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and I want to encourage you to give of your tithes and offerings to your home church. Many churches around the nation are struggling with their finances and have seen the giving dip quite a bit over the last three and a half months. So please uh, continue to support your home church. For those of you who call Impact Christian Church your church home, uh, we would just encourage you uh, to give of your tithes and offerings faithfully so we can continue this great work at Impact Christian Church here in the Victor Valley and around the world. Remember, there's three ways that you can give. Uh, you can give online at, uh, uh, at greaterimpact.cc uh, forward slash donate. Uh, you can text to give. Uh, just text any dollar amount to 84321. Or you can mail us a check uh, to our P.O. Box uh, 84321, uh, Victorville, California, 92393. Thank you so much for your faithful giving. And we have one extra opportunity that we're putting before you this month. Our Christian camp that we support uh, is Angelus Crest Christian Camp. We've sent our kids and teenagers to winter camps and summer camps at Angelus Crest for many years. I even used to go to Angelus Crest uh, 40 years ago as a kid. And so this camp is amazing. They've been responsible for leading many kids and teenagers to a saving knowledge of Christ, but they're struggling right now. Angelus Crest Camp is in L.A. County, and they've been completely shut down to overnight camps. And that has been uh, causing a, a great hardship for the camp. They may not make it unless uh, generous donors step up and help support that camp. And so I want to encourage you, if the Lord lays it on your heart, to give a special gift this month. Uh, we'll be taking special offerings this month for Angelus Crest Christian Camp. Uh, simply write your check to Impact Christian Church and just write Angelus Crest Camp on the memo line, and we will give 100% of all of your donations designated for Angelus Crest to Angelus Crest. Let's work together to help support this wonderful ministry for the cause of Christ here in Southern California. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next week, either at 9 o'clock for outdoor live service or right here online at 10 a.m. God bless you as you love, learn, and serve the Lord together with us this week.